This is the Fat Games Podcast, Episode 2, Part 2. In this episode, I interview Gary. We talk about his music creation process, his motivations and inspirations, and we ask him what his favorite creation is. Stay tuned for the end to hear more music from Gary on Kids of Carindale Radio. Welcome to Part 2 of Episode 2 of the Fat Games Podcast. This is the part where I believe Gary is going to interview me, or am I interviewing you? What I think saying? you can interview me first. Eh? You want me to interview you first? That's yeah, you awesome. can go. Yeah. Okay, well, I need to pull up my questions again, because I already forgot what I'm going to ask you. All right. That's okay. My answers are going to be very, very, very candid. I like and, candid. And probably unelegant, but, uh, you know, we're just, we're just winging it here. That's awesome. And that's okay. That is completely okay. All right, Gary. So, um, first of all, um, for those of you who actually don't know, because we didn't actually really say this on our very first podcast, Gary and I have been friends for about 30 years at this point. We're old. Oh my God, has it been that long? It's been about that long. This is crazy. Um, And uh, Gary, I, I, I think it's safe for me to say that, Gary, you're one of my closest friends. Even though we are a nation apart, um, you and I have done a lot together. Um, I very much value your friendship and your your company. You're an amazing human being. Um, I love. Yeah, I, 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 I never tire of hearing that. Thank you. <laughs> of course not. I'm 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 complimenting you and making you feel good about yourself. Why would you feel bad about that? <laughs> yeah, you know that's what I tell myself in the mirror every morning. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> but. So for those of you who are interested in knowing more about Gary and I and I, like how we work together and, uh, and all that stuff, um, we decided that um, for this podcast, we were going to kind of give ourselves interviews. Um, so Gary's going first. So um, yeah, we're going to, it's going to be casual, not quite a Joe Rogan thing, but maybe kind of, I don't know, we'll figure this out anyway. So G, I call Gary G. Um, how long have you been writing music, whether it's like for video games or, or, or whatever else? Okay. So I'm going to say, um, the year 1996 is kind of when I started, uh, well, making music in terms of being able to like create, um, like a product out of it. Okay. You know, um, so, um, I don't know if you kind of remember this, um, but it was around that time when I came across a tool. Um, it was called the uh, screen tracker and uh, basically what it was, it was, I, I guess nowadays they would call it uh, something kind of very sim- similar to a step sequencer. Um, and what you do is like, you'd have this kind of like a grid like uh, kind of box that you'd go in and enter notes in. Um, you'd also be able to like kind of pick different um, instruments that were based off like, I don't know, like individual wave files for a particular instrument, and you would just play it back at different notes. So and all, like all of a, that would be. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Is it is it kind of like a sort of like um, like sort of playing music like instrument samples, like they would do on? And I, I'm going to screw this up entirely, but the like the Super Nintendo and how they played instrumental samples for a lot of the. It's of the uh, very very similar. Yeah. Like basically these files would just contain, I guess, information on, on like when to play notes as well as these little 
kind of samples themselves. And you could tweak the samples too. You could like pitch shift and them pitch, yeah, pitch yeah. shift them and stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so you know, you could save these things. You can, you know, export them to you know other file formats and stuff. Um, so that's kind of how I got started actually making uh, music. Cool. So you just like any, nice any, 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 sorry, anything prior to that? I don't know. We, we mentioned this in kind of prior podcasts where, you know, I. I make stuff directly in QBasic or whatever. That stuff got it just edited wasn't, out. Uh, um, but so, so our listeners don't know about that. But yeah, keep going with that. Okay, yeah. So in uh, prior to you know me being able to make music in that fashion, it was me being, me, me making music pro programmatically inside a programming language. So. Um... You know, on that point, um, you did you did a lot of music writing in both basic on the Commodore and also the play command that played like the PC speaker audio in Cubasic. Yes. Yeah. And that was certainly before '96. And actually, um, was it '96 when you act, when you got Scream Track or Impulse Tracker? Wow, I, I thought it was earlier than that. No, awesome. I think it was around that. It was around that time. I can't remember. I think maybe it might have been '95. Maybe I don't know. Well, I mean, it's that long ago, man. Like the, the details starting to like mush together. Wow, that's awesome. So, um, now you played the piano. Like you were taking piano lessons since you were a little kid. Yeah, uh, um, classically trained through RCM. I think I think it started around when I was in grade three. Wow, what's RCM? Uh, the Royal Conservatory of Music. Oh wow. Um, so, and I know you had a lot of encouragement from, from your family to do that. Um, so I was beaten to it. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully it's not that intense, but <laughs> maybe it was, it was that intense. Wow. Um, do you want to edit that out, Gary? <laughs> it's out there. People know. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So, um, wow. Uh, so what, what inspired you for video games specifically? Cause, cause I mean, that's, that's been a big part of your life for as long as uh, I don't know if it was more inspiration, especially at the beginning. Um, it was more like, you know, we, we are all making games and we wanted to fill the silence with something. And it just seems like music was, you know, to me, a normal part of the gaming game experience. Right. So. I wouldn't make a game without putting in a tune. You know, I had somewhat of the skills around that time. So I just, I, I just didn't. I, 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 I really didn't know that, you know, it was going to kind of become what it is or what it became, especially kind of post um, Kid, uh, Kids of Carindale, at least the, uh, the original version of it. So arguably somewhat as modest. Um, I mean... So for some context for our listeners, um, when we released Kids of Carindale, uh, the, the DOS version, um, back in the year 2000, um, it, it, I mean, it was well known among the QBasic game development community. Um, it was quite popular among that community, actually. I think it's very safe to say that. Gary's Music won awards. Um, Gary's music from the original version of Kids of Carindale has all been uploaded to YouTube. 
um, and other uh, uh, music platforms. Um, was it SoundCloud that has it all? No, I don't think so. I think, I no, I think I think Bare Knuckle Roo or Coffee Potato or whatever uploaded to SoundCloud. No, no they, they may have. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't remember seeing it on SoundCloud specifically. I know it's on YouTube. Yeah, it's definitely on YouTube. So we will actually post a link to um, his his um, channel uh, in in the uh, in the description on this on this video, um, and you can actually hear all the original Kids of Carando music from the from the two thousand DOS version. Um, and it, it it was it did receive we won the. Um, I want to say the 2001 QB Gaming Golds. Like, I'm going to screw that up. Uh, award for your music. Uh, That's okay. Well, uh, we can show our audience a picture of that because I still have that somewhere. Oh, you have that? Okay, I'll I think I have a. We'll, I have a copy of that somewhere. All right. Well, we'll post that up in the. Uh, I might even print it out and put it on my fridge at some point. Yeah, you should frame that, shit, Gary. <laughs> But yeah, I uh, I did all of that in um, Impulse Tracker. You did, yeah, and that was fucking awesome, G. Like you, you did. Like I'm still amazed at what you did to this day. And I were just kids back then. I wrote his ass like um like no tomorrow. Like I remember, I remember when we were coming up to re- coming up to the release date of what we want to do for Kids of Karen. What I want to do, I I think I could say for Kids of Karen, Chapter One. I remember I was. At a friend's place, uh, Jim Jim Bennett, if you remember him, and oh, I yeah, called you from his place, asking you if you have the music ready in time. Were you drinking you yes. at Jim's house during that? No, I, I wasn't. A, I was in twelfth grade. I didn't really drink when I was in high school. I mean, I did a little bit, but I know I was sober at that moment in time, if memory serves. Pretty sure I was. Maybe I was. I can't remember. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I certainly didn't view projects the same way I view projects now as a as an adult. Everything's all planned out. And you got yeah. some kind of Kanban board or whatever. Um, all right, G. So as an adult who's no longer a kid who has all the time in the world, because quite frankly, that we did when we were younger. Um, how do you balance your paying day job with this passion? Uh, you know what? I'm going to give you the short answer. There. And the short answer is I, I don't, you know, if, if we weren't doing this interview right now, I would probably still be working because there's just that much stuff to do. So how do you I, I will tell you, I will tell you, I will tell you what I, what I do skip out on. Sometimes I will skip out on house hygiene to get time to do music. Okay. So I basically, I basically, I don't clean this place uh, until the weekend. Well, I... I mean, that's, that's, that's okay. Weekend, like weekend's fine. I mean, you know, on a weekend, how much, how much time do you really get a week then? Uh, you know, I usually put in a good session, a fo- good focus session of about like three or four hours on both uh, Saturday and Sunday. So uh, it's eight hours. Uh, so a Sunday, so Sunday is usually, it's always like I wake up and that's like gotta be the first thing I do. Right. So Saturday I, so- I do more kind of R and D stuff. And then I will kind of do that more kind of later on in the very early evening. Okay. That's usually like how, how, how my schedule lands now. That's cool. So, so you get like eight hours in then in like a week. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. 
Yeah, yeah it's really good. Like, 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 like I, I, I don't, I don't want to say that I'm sitting there, like, actually, like, recording the whole time, right? Um, I do, I do spend a lot of time just doodling on, uh, on, on, on a piano or, uh, or a guitar. Well, I think that's because I'm trying like to figure out, like, you know, like where I want parts to go in, in songs too, right? Well, I mean, this actually leads into my next question. What is your workflow like? Uh, in terms of like workflow, usually, um, I, a lot of the time uh, I will either write a song in my head, if that makes sense. Um, a lot of the time that happens during driving, um, or maybe the shower, uh, but also sometimes, uh, as, as I'm doodling on a, uh, uh on a piano or, or a guitar, that's usually most of the times where I will actually come up with something. And, uh, usually, you know, like, depending on what I do, will kind of dictate what kind of comes out. So that's why I like to use multiple avenues um, to try to write, I guess. Okay. That make, does that make sense? Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Um, so actually, on the note, we talked about your piano, um, your, your piano lessons when you were a kid. What about guitar? Did you teach yourself that or how did you learn guitar? Uh, mostly by teaching myself. Uh, the story around that is uh, my mom had this like POS in the basement collecting dust, had no strings on it. She probably got it at Zeller's um, or Canadian. So for those who are listening, like, Zeller's is like the equivalent to, oh shit, I don't know. Target? Um, yeah, Target. Yeah, let's use that example. Yeah. It's, uh, I think that company's kind of long gone now, but yeah, essentially it's like- Target in like, Canada's gone too, hey. Yeah. That's a, that's a different story, but yeah, it's, they, they basically kind of specialize in kind of like lower end consumer goods kind of thing. especially you know, like, like who, who would go to Zeller's and buy a guitar, right? But my, my mom did and um, yeah, it was sitting in my basement, no strings on it, collecting dust. And I decided, Hey, you know what? I'll just, um, I think that was uh, revenue Canada calling me wanting to uh, arrest me. So I just, uh, I declined to call. You didn't file your taxes, Gary? Oh, no, it's a, it's a common uh, scam that they have up oh, here. Okay. Oh, okay. Where yeah. some random person, probably in India somewhere, will just kind of call you and say, hey, I'm going to come and arrest you unless you give me your credit card number. Right. And then we'll claim to be uh, the IRS or something. Or the IRS or CRA or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so where was I? Yeah, so there's this like, basically this broken down guitar in my basement that was, uh, was collecting dust. And uh, that was around the time when I was listening to a lot of like kind of rock type of music. So I decided to like go and grab some strings and form on, clean it up. Um, didn't really know what to tune it to, um, but I, uh, I got creative. I had a set of encyclopedias. Uh, so I basically went to the guitar sec section and told me exactly how to tune it. Um, so I did. And then, Somehow I, you know, I came across, you know, a couple tabs and I just kind of learned just like that. just by figuring it out. Wow. I mean, that, that's really cool, Gary. I mean, that's actually incredibly impressive. Um, so what, uh, what tools do you use to actually create the music electronically for, for games or, or whatever? Uh, so what I use now, um, I've actually just recently made a switch to uh, Ableton Live. Um, don't know what that is. I, I don't know please if explain that. <laughs> knows what that is, but uh, yeah, it's uh, 
what they call a digital audio workstation. So it's basically just recording software. So, so do you actually record like real samples with it or, or how does it work? Uh, I mostly use uh, MIDI um, with uh, software samplers. Uh, I don't know, they call them VSTs, which is called like, well, it's called virtual instruments. I think that's an easy concept for people to understand. Okay. Uh, so it's like a library collection of like a crap ton of WAV files that are pre-recorded for let's say like every key on the piano, they'll record it like oh, wow. um, at, at different speeds and loudnesses. And it'll just kind of like bundle all that in so that anytime you you, so you play it's again, like pre-recorded samples that you can actually, oh wow, that it is. Okay. Yeah. So you know That's how cool. before I was talking about screen tracker where you play one yeah. sample, but they'll play it at different speeds to get different uh, to get different kind of notes. Mm -hmm. um, it's really sophisticated nowadays where um, you know they'll record you know the same key, but they'll record it at different, you know, loudnesses. They'll record every single note. They'll have different articulations, um, and they'll bundle all that up into a uh, kind of like a, a machine for you to kind of use. So you no longer need to use a computer to change like the pitch and the speed of uh, of a sample. You actually you have that already pre-recorded yeah. for yeah. you, so you can actually get a more natural sounding yeah. sample. That's awesome. I actually had no idea. Like I, I yeah, you know, I like I think like a lot of the a lot of this came out of you know, um, you know, the producers needing to like you know quickly mock up uh, an orchestra kind of thing, right? right? And you know, you know how expensive it is to like bring people into a studio and record, especially when you talk about like a full fledged orchestra, right? And now in times of uh, COVID, yeah, you can't do it's really difficult, right? But you know, there's lots of tools out there where all this is kind of bundled up into a, a library that, that a composer can use to just like quickly mock it up um, and, and just kind of create so that they only really need to bring in, you know, that band once into orchestra, do a, do a session and then they'd be done. So it's, yeah, very, very um, useful for film. Wow. I mean, that's awesome. Like I've actually learned more from like, I mean, I know we're interviewing each other, but this is like, I wish I asked you this a long time because this, this is actually really interesting to hear because I, I didn't know. Um, wow, that's cool. W which artists inspire you? Like, where do you get your inspiration from? Uh, you know, I think like kind of like in different stages of my life, I kind of get different inspiration from kind of different things. Like, I think in especially when it comes to gaming music, I, I definitely have been inspired by, you know, the Final Fantasy, Chrono Trigger, Secret of Mana kind of era of, of music. Is there a specific artist that inspires you or is it just like individual games that? Uh, I would say both, but you know, like I am a big fan of, uh, I'm going to butcher their names. We will we'll just say the composer of Final Fantasy, the main one. And, Which uh, one? Because I, I I don't know if it's I, I actually don't know if it's been the same one for all of them or not. It it has been. There's been a principal oh, composer. Been. Yeah. Well, especially in oh. in the in the earlier earlier eras okay, of, yeah. of Final Fantasy. I think lately, um, they've kind of been using other ones, and they've been, I guess, using that same one just to kind of do certain tracks, but not he. I don't think he's doing like full soundtracks of any of the later ones anymore. I'm not 100% sure on that, but 
it was kind of around the era they used the principal composer. Okay. Yeah. Karen, I was hoping you'd say Fantasy Star because Fantasy Star 4 had some of my favorite music from um, the old school 16-bit era. But Final Fantasy was actually like Final Fantasy 6 slash 3, phenomenal so, music as well. I don't know uh, how to kind of express this, but back in the day, I was a Nintendo guy. Blair was a Sega guy. Okay, yep. So Fantasy Star was kind of like more of a really foreign thing to me. Um, I think the first time I kind of came across it was when I went to Blair's house and he showed it to me. I, I will say this, uh, you know, there's an element where you should be kind of decoupling the music from the, the sound uh, because the sound itself, um, I guess when, you, when you're kind of looking at it from the, the context that, it, you know, it's, it's a chipset. Um, yeah. So you're, it, it's got to be looked at as if it's, it was an instrument, right? So obviously, you know, put in the right hands, you're going to be able to make some really beautiful music, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's kind of almost not fair to kind of compare the content of, of that music across these two different, uh, I guess, uh, mediums. I mean, that, that's, def oh yeah, it's absolutely fair. Yeah, I entirely agree with you there. Um, hopefully we have a big enough following where someone's going to like comment on this. We'll see. Something yeah. Or just, or just, yeah, I, I, I just actually hope that there's someone in there who will just go in there and just completely shoot us down. Give us some. Yeah, that's fine. I would, yeah. I would love for that. All right, Gary, your favorite piece of music you've ever created in all time ever. All time ever. That's a really tough one. Cause I do have kind of personal favorites of mine. Um, I actually really like what uh, I think the most memorable piece for me would probably be the uh, the final credit music I did for the original Karen Dow. That was good music. Yeah. However, if I if I can interject my own my own my own um, my own preference from that, it would be the last boss music you did for that. Really? Okay. I think that was phenomenal. Again, we'll post the link in the description to all of this so anyone who's interested can listen to it. Yeah, we'll also maybe play some of it in uh, fact. Oh, we might play it as Kids of Care in our radio eventually. Yeah. Probably not immediately, but eventually. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting because you've done a lot. Like you've done a lot recently, even, even like when you weren't making music for games, you were still making music for a while. I thought that. Uh, you know, I, I would say, you know, kind of the period. Um, when I first moved to Edmonton until I started making music for uh, Burgle's Bounty, I don't think I was doing a whole lot. Um, but, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that I wasn't involved in music. I think I became a better uh, performer of music during that time because I actually, I was playing a lot more um, I than I did when I was kind of going through school, right? Um, but I don't, I don't think I was writing a lot during that time. But I can say that I became a better player, even though I still don't consider myself that great of a player right here. Like, yeah, just well, like I, I would have like six to eight month stints where I don't touch anything. So, um, and to sort of defend Gary's uh, humility or, or actually maybe go against Gary's humility here, um, there has been a lot of people in the New York indie gaming scene, and Gary has met a lot of them over the years 
um, that have actually found that have, that has found his music to be phenomenal and has actually commented to his face, both in Washington D.C. at Megfest and at Playcrafting in New York, how much they loved his music. Do so, I not remember any of this? Did we have too much wine? We might have, but it happened to your face. Oh wow! It definitely did. I am so sorry, guys. Okay, uh, we'll be interviewing him in like a couple of weeks anyway. So okay. I th- Jonah actually had a lot of, I think, a lot of positive comments about it. And I think so did Sam. Um, anyway, so you already kind of answered this question, but I'm going to change a little bit. Modern Kids of Carindale, what we're doing right now, favorite piece of music you've done in, in the last couple of years for Kids of Carindale, the new version? Uh, for Modern Carindale, definitely Overworld. That's a fucking piece of phenomenal music. I agree. Yeah, I, I definitely but, really but Pandaka like is really great too. Like Pandaka. I love that too. No, I, I like that. That's uh, another kind of personal favorite of mine too. So there's but, there's uh, a lot of stuff you've done. I think, I think I put, I think I put in the most work time and energy into, into the overworld music. Um, it's a good music to, you'll listen I, to I wanted to, I, I definitely for that one, I wanted to make sure there was enough parts. Uh, Cause that, that, I think that was the one where I really wanted to, focus on the storytelling kind of aspect of the music. So you'll notice in that one, there's multiple kind of parts. All those parts represent a different kind of portion of uh, a journey of, of Elmo's party. So um, for those of you who are listening, that was actually the music we're, we, we've played in episode one, part three. Um, so go listen to it um it and gary's right it is, it is a phenomenal piece of music he did just a great job on it i want to talk about the battle music a little bit because that is well, something that i actually yeah go ahead okay no, no no go go let's talk about the battle music go for it what do you want to say uh the battle music was actually something that i uh i came up with uh, mostly uh it mostly existed in my head actually since uh our attempt to do kids of Candel chapter two back in the year 2000 and Two. One. 2001. Was it 2001? Okay. It was 2001, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember I had a very early recorded version of that that probably got lost. I never heard it. <laughs> well, I know because uh, it got lost in, uh, in a series of hard drive crashes that have been happening to me for most of my life. All right. So um, Gary has this weird electro- electromagnetic field around his body. It causes hardware to fail. That's why. No, more specifically, hard drives. The cloud. Yeah. Hard, hard drives. Yeah. Remember your old school ancient zip drive? I don't know. Oh my god! Let's let's not talk about that. Okay, fine. Oh my god! Like you're you're just gonna trigger me. I'm actually getting angry just thinking about it right now. Like, the zip drive was uh, was kind of like these discs that would hold a lot of stuff. So. It actually sounds really bad right now because, you know, back in the day, 200 megs, in their, in their 200 megs on a drive was, was a lot, right? Especially when you look at the floppies, they can only hold like less than two megs. Okay. Like yeah, so I don't think anyone lot. listening and to us actually was alive when that technology yeah, was around. Yeah. Anyways, let's, let's make a long story short here. Those zip drives were mechanically weak and whatever I put on them, I probably lost. I have I have memories of your zip drive. Yes. 
And then, uh, and then I would say every two or three years after that, whatever hard drive I bought would eventually die. And I would again lose stuff. It was a very common occurrence for you. Yeah. All right, G, last question, dude. What advice would you give to an inspiring musician, whether it be games or otherwise? My advice is, I don't know, um, use what you got. I mean, like, I remember kind of like when I was young, I had no money. Uh, in my mind, I always wanted like more more stuff to go buy, right? I wanted to get a new guitar, I wanted to get a new sound card. Um, yeah, just scrounge up whatever you can that's in your house and just do whatever you can, make music. Um, especially, you know, if you don't have money, because uh, if you're always going to be kind of like waiting around just to have the best stuff, um, then that's exactly what you'll just do. You'll just end up waiting around. Okay, so if, if they don't have money, how much open source stuff out there is available? Free stuff. Uh, you know what? Um, Cakewalk um, was something that I was using right before Ableton Live, and that is actually free now. You can just go on the internet, you know, make an account, and then just get it. You can just download it. It's free. And I think it comes with enough stuff to just kind of get you started. You know, they, they actually have free versions of Ableton Live as well that you can use. There's enough free stuff to get, to get you started. Um, so, you know, if, if you're poor and you can't afford anything, like I don't really think you need that much hardware, if, if any. Well, let's say we're talking about a 10-year-old kid here like we used to be. Oh, man. Sure. You know what, I think, I think the new generation is very um, adept at using YouTube. I think it's a very, very good resource um, to get you started. You can probably learn, I don't want to say everything, but you should be able to learn all the basics off YouTube. That's awesome. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please click like and consider subscribing so you can hear more episodes of our podcast. If you'd like to support us, please consider becoming a patron on our Patreon. Patrons get exclusive access to Kids of Carando builds and can ask us questions directly that we'll respond to on the podcast. Now stay tuned for Ultimate Power, which is the final boss music from the year 2000 version of Kids of Carando.